Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 171 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. And in today's show, Kelvin talks to Rob Walling about how to be a solopreneur, all coming up in Internet Marketing. So Rob, I understand that recently you've acquired, purchased... Um, an interesting SEO tool that you've used in the past. Can you tell us a bit about kind of how that came to pass in terms of you taking on a tool that perhaps wasn't one that, you know, you created from scratch, as it were? Sure. Yeah. So I, I had been using this tool called Hittail since it launched in 2006. And over the past couple of years, uh, it started having a lot of downtime. And I eventually contacted the owners, since I'm a software developer and, and I own some, some software products and web applications myself, um, I contacted the owner, you know, kind of asking what was up, if they had abandoned the tool, and if they'd be willing to, uh, to kind of sell it to, you know, an entrepreneur. And it turns out that they hadn't abandoned it, but they, had, they were not doing enough maintenance on it, and it was having pretty significant downtime. So over the course of a couple of months, we, uh, we negotiated a price and I acquired it. And, you know, that must be an, an interesting way of kind of picking up a tool rather than building it from scratch. Was that, is there kind of anything that, like, um, you know, the process of doing that? Have you, is that something you've done in the past in terms of acquiring tools like that? Or is this it's a bit of a first? I have done it in the past, yeah. yeah. I've actually bought quite a few uh, websites in mm. the past. Um, I've bought a handful of web applications, probably around, um, it's probably eight or ten web applications now. And I've probably bought 30, more than 30 websites mm. So, so it's something you're well accustomed to and you've done quite a lot as well. So can you take us a bit, a bit through kind of how Hittail works and kind of some of the functionality of that? Because I know it's a tool that, you know, when you started talking to me about it, I was like, blimey, why have I not heard of this before? And, you know, why is it not something that I've been using more frequently? Because it sounds like a, a really powerful tool. Hittail is, uh, it's for SEOs and it's also used on e-commerce websites and some bloggers use it. And basically it's for, for SEOs who want to find keywords 
for which they can easily rank on the first page of, of a search engine. So uh, often that's Google, but sometimes it's Yahoo or Bing. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's essentially an SEO keyword tool. And what it does is it, it analyzes your website's traffic mm -hmm. and it gives you proprietary data. It gives you uh, real time, in essence. It gives you suggestions for keywords that you should be targeting but aren't. So it's keywords that you would easily rank for without effort. Mm -hmm. And so, unlike, I think the real differentiator is I've used Word Tracker and Market Samurai and Micro Niche Finder and, mm -hmm. and those tools and the Google AdWords keyword tool. And those all kind of mostly use the same corpus of data, mm -hmm. and that's what Hittail doesn't do, right? It actually looks at your proprietary data that no one else has. It looks at your traffic and analyzes it. Mm. And do you think, is there kind of a challenge to that model a little bit with the kind of recent changes that Google are making to kind of essentially hide, key, uh, you know, a big chunk of the keyword referring data there? Yeah, so there's, that's actually a common question I get, and mm. it, it did impact us. Um, it dropped the suggestions we could provide by about 10%. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if we, there are some people, you know, we often are able to provide t between 20 and a few hundred suggestions in a month. Mm -hmm. And so now for those who used to get 20, they get 18. Mm -hmm. So it's not the end of the world, but obviously it is a, down the line. If Google continues this path, then yeah, I, it, it tail might have an issue at mm -hmm. point. I suppose it's still an additional suggestion, isn't it? So 18 keywords that you could rank very well for that you don't know about is still incredibly valuable, even though if like last month it could have been 20, 18 is still 18, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And it's, it's helpful for people who are, who are both creating content. I mean, one of the most common uses for the keyword suggestions is to go and write a blog post about it or to just you know, write an article mm. or, or have someone write an article. Um, and that will tend to rank right on the first page of that search engine right away just because it's, well, because the algorithm is fairly smart. And so uh, that's the most common occurrence. And then other people I'm finding are using the suggestions. It, they're kind of using them in new ways that I hadn't thought about. Mm. Um, but there are a number of customers using them for, for link text when they, when they go and build links. You know, oh, instead yeah. of, you, yeah, you've talked about how, you know, you'll have maybe 50% of your links you want with a certain phrase your head phrase and then you want to mix it up the other 50 percent well mm. people are taking their suggestions and using them as the other 50 percent essentially as the link and i so. mean i think that's incredibly powerful i mean there's been some you know real shifts and changes in in google over the last couple of weeks even where it seems that there that there's these uh, messages that are going out in google webmaster tools to, um you know, kind of illustrating Google saying, we think you've got dodgy links, essentially. And th there's kind of seems to be two areas that, you know, that's setting off this trigger. One is people using blog networks to build links. Um, and like websites like Build My Rank have had all of their um, network de-index as a consequence of that. And that seems to be one area. But the other one seems to be, it's kind of where people have over-targeted um, a particular keyword anchor text phrase. And, you know, actually, I've, you know, it's always been sensible to kind of include a variety of keywords in your anchor text. But it does seem to be that that's, very much the direction it's headed in. So it's all then kind of give you indications of what you ought to be thinking about there. I suppose it's quite useful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And one of the things I always struggle with you know, as an SEO is is uh, finding all those uh, kind of the, the, the link anchor text that I'm going to use, right? Mm. It's like easy to find that head term and then you, you're just kind of making up the rest. You're kind of looking through Google Analytics and grabbing out, you know, different different ideas from there so you know hittail obviously helps with that mm. and you know so kind of moving on from hittail is a great tool i recommend everyone has a, a look at it to check out you, you know one of the things that you've kind of really you know talked about a lot in the past rob is kind of you know bootstrapped solopreneur kind of um you know businesses where you've kind of set up and it's self-funded um startups can you tell us a bit about kind of how you came into that process and kind of some of the things that you've been involved with in terms of kind of promoting that as a as a cause as an idea really 
Sure, sure. Yeah, so I, I'm a software developer from way back. Um, and over the course of several years in the early 2000s, I was a consultant. And I realized that I didn't want to do that forever, right? Mm-hmm. It's like dollars for hours. Um, and I didn't really want to be chasing down my next project when I was 50 years old. And so I was trying to figure out a way to, to kind of get out of that. Mm-hmm. And I found that a lot of uh, software developers and even consultants and, and designers and entrepreneurs um, feel the same way, right? They're kind of stuck in this job. And the only way out I could see was to, to go big and to raise venture funding mm-hmm. and uh, you know do something like Y Combinator mm-hmm. or just I, I live near... Uh, the Bay Area. And so I was going to raise millions of dollars and try to have this big exit so that I could have freedom of time. Mm. And um, in essence, I found there's another way. And Mm -hmm. what I've done is I built and launched a few different software products and websites, and they started generating a little bit of money. You know, it was several hundred dollars a month at first. Mm. And then as I grew them into a few thousand bucks a month, I realized, wow, if I had a few more of these, mm. if I actually had a number of small products and small niches, there's a little competition, and I could essentially make enough money that I, didn't, that I wouldn't have to consult anymore, mm. and I could live off the products. And so, so that's what I did. I, I actually started acquiring them at one point mm-hmm. um, because there are a lot of good products on the, on the market or, or mm-hmm. good products around like Hittail. Mm. Um, but I also have invoicing software. I have a software in a wedding website building niche. Mm. Um, just, you know, kind of random niches, but they're, they're so low competition uh, in terms of SEO and advertising and all that stuff that, um, that I'm able to make it work. And mm. so, so that's what I did. I, about four, almost five years ago now, I mm. stopped consulting altogether and I live off product revenue. Mm. And, you know, is that kind of quite a different mindset that you've had to work in kind of moving from that kind of build, you know, potentially having a relatively small number of consult, um, you know, clients, as it were, on big projects to having potentially thousands of customers with, if you're dealing with kind of software as service? Yeah, it, it has. And, and something that's helped me a lot with that is um, I do, I have, you know, a couple of virtual assistants. I, I do a lot of outsourcing. As a single, I'm basically a solopreneur, so I don't have any employees. Mm-hmm. But since I, I have about 10 different uh, essentially products, you know, they're either websites or web applications. Um, since I have 10 of them, I, I really couldn't do it all myself. So I do have a, anywhere between six and eight contractors who work for me in any given month. All of them are part-time. Um, all of them are remote. Some are in the U.S., some are in Canada, and some are overseas. And um, so that has been a critical piece to help me manage all that, right? You, like you said, I, have, I literally have thousands of customers for all of these apps, mm-hmm. and they, they help manage uh, you know, their, their app. They help manage that support load. And have you got any advice on kind of finding those contractors? Because recently I've gone, you know, you know, have long heard the advice that you ought to have a, a virtual assistant. And, you know, just this year went down that route. And I went down the route of advertising on Gumtree and actually found someone in the same city as me as it transpires. But, you know, that was kind of it was that was just how it ended up. That wasn't the design. And that was kind of just an added bonus that kind of ticked uh, an extra kind of column in her box. But kind of how did you go about kind of these contractors? It's kind of Odesk. Is that kind of the route that you went down? Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's actually a really good question. I've gone four or five paths over the past four or five years. Um, and essentially, Odesk is what I do these days. I stopped using Craigslist for it. I stopped using job boards. Um, I was on Elance for a while. I mean, I tr- kind of tried all the routes. And uh, really, at this point, Odesk is, has worked out well for my last couple of hires. So mm. that's what I'd recommend. Mm. And any advice on putting together those job descriptions or um, you know, tr- how you should, you know, weed out because that the actual i had the opposite problem that my problem was i got inundated with applications rather than kind of i thought my problem might be i'd have no one applying um but instead i had kind of 150 people to deal with yeah that's very common so yeah 
if you're applying, if you're going to post a job for something as common as a VA, where kind of everyone could apply, the same holds for like for PHP developers or WordPress developers. There's just a lot of folks out there who do yeah. it. And if you're going to do that, you really need to limit. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Uh, you limit your scope because you will get too many applicants. And so what I tend to do, first, I write the job description like I'm a, I'm a person, not like mm -hmm. I'm a corporation. And I do inject some personality into it, and I try to make the job attractive because mm -hmm. that's the only way you're going to get the best candidates is to, you know, is to talk the job up a bit. I mean, you have to be realistic, but you do have to, have to kind of let people know that it's a cool job. At the same time, I'm pretty strict. You know, I say only apply if you have these specific skills. And then in Odesk, you can limit it. And you can basically say only if they have five out of five English skills, mm. you know, no matter where in the world, including in, you know, if they're living in the U.S. or in the U.K., like some, mm. you need really good written English mm. and, and spoken English. And then I will limit, you know, that they only have a certain amount of feedback. They have a certain number of Odesk hours worked. Mm. You can kind of be picky when you're looking for just a blanket VA. Mm. And so I, I tend to get, when last my my last VA posting, I only got, instead of 150, like you said, I mm. think I got in the 40s, maybe mm. 45, yeah. which is much more manageable. And mm. then I was able to quickly knock out about 25, you know, just mm. right off the bat and then, mm. then kind of sift through and interview the, the top three. Mm. And have you kind of got any tips on kind of the, managing the tasks as well? Because I mean, actually having read books like, you know, four hour work week, I was kind of very concerned about kind of how to explain my tasks as it were. Um, when actually I transpired, it's like, you know, Nicola, who I work with, she's very good at dealing um you know understanding my gibberish but um you know have you found any tips and recommendations for kind of how to work with people remotely when you've only really got email perhaps as the main form of communication absolutely yeah so that is how i communicate with everyone typically when i first hire them i do one video skype chat just so we've seen each other face to face once and heard each other's voices and then after that i will literally go years without ever talking to them and and that's and what we but we you know, we might IM or, or email mm. once a week or twice a week. So, mm. so there is communication. It's just not verbal. Mm. And the way, uh, to answer your original question, the way I communicate tasks, I use a lot of, it's basically screencasts mm. and Google Docs. Mm -hmm. And so I will, I mean, I record two or three screencasts a day now. Mm -hmm. um, and often they're very, sh they're very short. And I use, I'm on 
PC, so I use um, Camtasia Studio, mm-hmm. and in three minutes, I can explain, you know, you can explain something that would take 10 minutes, 20 minutes to write out mm-hmm. in a doc, and then with one click, you can basically publish it to screencast.com, which mm-hmm. is uh, Camtasia's, yeah. uh, you know, on uh, hosting thing. So you don't have to render it and upload it. I mean, it just kind of does it in mm-hmm. one step. And then if it's a particularly complicated process, and I think that they're going to need to refer to it a lot, I mm-hmm. will also then put some bullet points together that kind of match up with the screencast so that they can watch the screencast once or twice and then refer back to the bullet points for in the Google Doc for essentially years to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think the other thing is to get the most out of uh, a virtual assistant is the first things you should outsource are the things you, the recurring tasks, mm-hmm. things that you do once a week, once a month, um, because that will that just buys you time. You're basically making time for the next, you know, mm-hmm years as long as the person works for you and i know you're kind of organizing a conference related to this kind of self-funded startups and kind of solopreneur type stuff is it kind of a trend that you're seeing more and more people heading in this direction role it is um uh, you know we have a, a large worldwide audience i say we it's i have a podcast and a mm. blog and, and this conference um and i'm just amazed at the number of people who where this idea resonates with mm. them and i i think what has happened is there's a bit of a i i, I guess backlash too strong a word, but it's it's kind of like if you don't live in the in the Bay Area or in you know uh, a, a city with a lot of venture capitalists, mm. and you aren't willing to to kind of work sixty seventy hour weeks and take some risk and work for sub sub market wages, then it, it's really hard to start a startup. You know, to, to do a big idea. And so this, this idea of starting small and being able to launch a product on the side um, that maybe only makes a few hundred dollars a month to start with, but that you can do while you're working full time, while you have a family. I mean, I'm yeah. 37. I have two kids. Mm-hmm. I did all of this, you know, while I was doing my real life. And you can kind of grow it on the side gradually. And I think that idea resonates, mm-hmm. resonates really well with people. Uh, but, but do you think it needs to be a software kind of guy to to to, to run these types because it's only really work if you can build a software tool right right i um i don't i think that it helps although these days i try to write as little code as possible because mm-hmm. there are people who can do that as good as or better than i am who are much much cheaper mm-hmm. you know like my my big value prop these days is is in high level thinking and mm-hmm. so i actually encourage software developers to to try to outsource some of it mm-hmm. and to try to to cut down on how much they develop so um the the ultimate answer is no you don't need to be a software person it does help in managing you know cuz obviously you're going to if you're going to do anything on the web you need to have some type of, of mm-hmm. software knowledge even if you're not building software mm-hmm. i mean one of my products is a job board mm-hmm. you know it's a, a job board for for uh, electricians mm-hmm. and you don't need to know it's an off the shelf job board you don't need to know software to do that but it does help to know it is written in PHP and it helps mm. to know a little bit of the basics, mm. um, even if you are going to hire out the development. So, yeah. but we have many. I have many developers and uh, you know, internet marketers and SEOs and that, those type of folks who do, you know, implement my kind of my ideas. Mm. And I suppose that's where the talent is. There is it's in that kind of knowing who the right person to hire is, isn't it? That I think and sometimes that that knowledge can be really powerful. Where it's the kind of being able to tell who is the real deal and who's someone who's kind of bluffing a little bit potentially. And, you know, particularly if you're not able to, you know, shake their hand and, you know, look them in the eye, it's the kind of that, that extra bit of knowledge can really help you avoid getting stung there, you know, potentially as well. And, That's right. And in, in terms of kind of other people that you look up to in the world of kind of self-funded startups, is there anyone in particular that you recommend is worth kind of going out and having a look at what that, you know, who's sharing their knowledge that people, if they've kind of listened to the podcast and goes, actually, I, I've got this really great idea for a, a software product or something that I could launch around my day job that I think um, would be really useful. And, um, you know, you know who they ought to be looking at for kind of advice on this besides yourself. 
Sure. Um, there, yeah, there are a number of them. Uh, one is if, if folks are into podcasting, mm-hmm. there's um, there's good podcast called the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also one called the Startup Success Podcast mm-hmm. that I like, and I actually like Mixergy quite okay. a bit. Uh, Mixergy.com. Yeah, that, those are good podcasts. And then in terms of the blogs, um, uh, Jason Cohen's blog is called A Smart Bear is Good, and mm-hmm. then there's uh, a guy named Patrick. Kenzie mm-hmm. and he has a great blog it's it's calzumeas.com but if you just search Patrick McKenzie blog um, you'll find it he's the bingo card creator guy he built a whole empire out of bingo card creator software okay so. fantastic <laughs> no no I mean it's a really interesting world isn't it and I think it's actually you know really exciting is that what you've got is you know for individuals they can work on a you know a number of projects they can kind of you know try out all of their ideas potentially see you know it's kind of an almost a uh, like almost having your own kind of venture capital approach isn't it but kind of on a much more micro level isn't it it's the kind of you've got 10 ideas try all 10 of them out and you know not all 10 of them necessarily will be the most successful in the world but a few of those are going to be you know more successful and you know it's you can almost be your own venture capitalist in that sense i suppose isn't it that yeah that's a good analogy for it yeah i've heard someone say uh rob has his own personal conglomerate (laughs) right it's a multiple multiple products so yeah. And, and it's one final question for you, Rob, as well, before we go. In terms of kind of, you know, you've got your multiple products there as well. Do you think that there's a benefit to them being in kind of, you know, you talked about yours kind of being, you know, electrician job board, wedding software, you know, now um, an SEO tool. Do you, you know, is it kind of a deliberate conscious decision to try and keep those quite separate? Or do you think that there's a benefit to potentially, you know, working within a niche so you can kind of share audiences between the tools, do you think? I would love if all my products were in the same niche because I would have so much ability to to provide a full package for people and to cross promote but the lately the acquisitions are just all over the place and if I see a good deal that I think I can I can make happen mm. I will do it no matter what the niche so um but yeah I've actually had the most success you know I have a blog and a podcast in the same niche and then we launched a conference and then I wrote a book in that niche mm. and then the SEO tool actually relates a little bit to that because I you know in terms of building apps and so those those uh things that do relate have been my most successful mm. um but that doesn't mean that you i also like the diversification mm. of being in multiple niches um you know when 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 uh, when we had the recession mm. uh when it started a few years ago all my b2b stuff just plummeted mm. in the month but my consumer stuff kept up mm. and then i've had other times where my consumer revenue really drops but my b2b stuff stays mm. up so um, i think there is some benefit to it but yeah i think if if i could control it i would I would probably stick all in the same niche if I was building all my own stuff. Mm. Fantastic. Well, I think there's some great advice there. I mean, I think even just from the kind of perspective of going and checking out Hittile, I think that's great advice there as well. But I think also, you know, what, what Rob's up to is really interesting. I think kind of a very inspirational story that I imagine will probably have resonated with quite a few of our listeners themselves. So yeah, definitely go and check out um, Rob's blog and podcast. I'm a big fan of the podcast myself. Um, I can't recommend it enough. No, thanks. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links, and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments, and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, If you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh. If you're inside the UK, it's O one two seven three two five six one five oh. And you can leave a voice, comment or question and we'll play it on the show. 
Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White is signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, the Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.